Good morning, everyone. Uh, the <clears throat> really briefly, our second reading today, I just want to touch one point on that. The, um, we're at the end of chapter 4 in the book of Hebrews. Next week, we're going to hear from chapter 5. It's all about priesthood. But the powerful thing in that reading, I just want you to think about for one second. And, and this is the good news, right? This is the heart of our faith as Christians. Is so many of us, when we try to live godly lives, we feel like we fall so short. We do. I feel that every day. I always say, you think you're falling short? Try being a priest. But the good news here, right, what, what the job of a priest to do, a priest's job is to reconcile people to God. It's to reconcile people and God. That's the job of the priestly office. And here's, I just want to give you something so powerful today that to go home with, to rejoice today is Sunday. Today is the day of your redemption. And in Hebrews 4, at the end there, it talks about how we have this great high priest. And it says, let us with confidence, therefore, approach the throne of grace. Now here, the, the, the one point here is that and most of you have heard me say this before, but it's good to hear this again and again. In the Old Testament, there's different offerings for different sins, right? If you, uh, you have a Thanksgiving offering, you can have a guilt offering, you can have all kinds of offerings. And if you had a sin, you know, you would go to the temple and offer a sacrifice. If you had a small sin, you know, you have like some grain, you could have a drink offering, you pour out, you could have some turtle doves. And then I always love saying, you know, then there's the guy with the bowl, you're like, I wonder what that guy did. Your sacrifice that reconciles you to God is none of those things. Your sacrifice is Jesus himself. And that is so powerful. And the one word from Hebrews today, brothers and sisters, is that should give you confidence before God. However big your sin is, However unworthy you feel, your sacrifice is the priceless blood of Jesus. So you and I have confidence before God. As Catholics, we're not people who always have to be scared that God's too upset with our sins. We have a confidence to go before our Father because we have a great high priest. Okay. But I want to talk about power today. Power. We all, there's, <clears throat> one quick intro here. The, um, the reading today from Mark chapter 10, Father Goronsky in seminary, he would, he would repeat this to us over and over. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones among them make their authority felt. But it shall not be so among you. I love that. He would drill that into us as seminarians. And today, as we go through our, our gospel reading, what I want to share with you is that Christians are okay with power. Power is, in fact, important. But Jesus turns power upside down. And we'll get to that. It's another seminary story. <clears throat> I've never been, the, the big three temptations in life, right? 
power, sex, money. Those are the big three, right? And all of us are tempted, I think, at different times to all three of those things. Uh, power, though, hasn't really been one I've been overly tempted to yet. Uh, we'll see what happens one day when I rule the world. <laughs> um, but it's, it's never been a big temptation for me. <clears throat> and in seminary, I remember there was this year, I was, I was early on in seminary, and there was this big kind of drama about the, the seminary student council. And I was like, we're pathetic, right? <laughs> like, like, like drama about the seminary student council. It, and it was, it was like, I was like, you've got to be kidding. But anyway, it went on and there was this kind of this power move and all these different things. But the seminary student council has no power, right? And that's what happens. You lock, you lock 70 guys up for seven years and this is what we do. But these guys, so they fought over this, this student council and the group of guys that was elected, they were, they were a little power hungry. And so one of the things they did, because they had no power, was there was a place that we weren't supposed to park at the seminary. And they, they went to like Office Depot or something and they got these like tickets and they started writing tickets and putting them on cars. <laughs> and it was just, it was hilarious. It was like, you've got to be kidding. Well, there, there's no actual consequence for these except they bought these really cheap ones and they left this horrible residue on your car that you could not get off. <laughs> this is what we do to form priests. This is how it works. Anyway, I just never got it. I never understood power. And one more story about that was years later, some of you know Father Nathan Goble, a good friend of mine. Father Nathan, later, years later in the seminary, he was elected the uh, student, class pre student council president. And the only reason he ran for that is because the student council president gets to make announcements at lunch. <laughs> right? This is, this is my life. And when he was elected, the priests around the seminary knew that he was so ridiculous that right after he was elected, they revoked the power of the president <laughs> to do announcements at lunch. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> We can check out a power. I check out a power. Sometimes politics, I just say, why do we get involved in politics? But here's the thing. All of my life, today's gospel, James and John asked Jesus for power. Power and honor and glory. And they ask, they say, when you're in your kingdom, we want to sit on your right and on your left. We want the best places in the kingdom. And whenever I read this gospel, I always thought, you silly apostles, Right? Don't ask for power. You're supposed to be humble. And that is true. We are supposed to be humble. St. Thomas Aquinas, and what I want to talk to you about, brothers and sisters, today is something you are called to. You are called to the Catholic virtue of magnanimity. Magnanimity is a, it means large-souledness. Magnanimity is that as a person who knows that they are called to great things. And St. Thomas Aquinas, when he writes about magnanimity, he goes to great lengths to show that humility and magnanimity are not opposed to each other, but they go hand in hand. 
And hopefully by the end of this homily, you'll see why. So I always thought, James and John, like, why are you doing this? Why are you asking for power? And I thought, Jesus is upset with them because they asked for the wrong thing. But here's the odd thing. Mark's gospel, we're about halfway through. At the Last Supper, just a little bit down the road in Jesus' life, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus is going to promise to James and John and the other apostles as well the very thing they asked for in Mark 10. So in Luke 22, Jesus says to the 12, you are those who have continued with me in my trials. You've been with me. And as my father appointed a kingdom for me, and this is why James and John ask, they know that Jesus is the king. By the way, that's what the word Messiah means. They know he's the king. And so Jesus, the Last Supper, my Father appointed a kingdom for me, so do I appoint a kingdom for you, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and get this, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. James and John didn't ask for the wrong thing. They just didn't know what that meant. The same is true for you. Brothers and sisters, you cannot, there is no such thing as a Christian who is called to be an average Christian. There's no such thing as an average Christian. There are only great Christians. Because to be a Christian means that you are called to something great. Now, James and John, the problem that they had is that I I think at least is what they wanted is they wanted the comfort and the glory. They wanted resurrection without the cross. We have Christians like that today, don't we? We have Christians out there who are all about resurrection and going to heaven but they seem to not know that the Messiah was crucified. And all the passages in the Bible that are that talk about us being called to share in that suffering seem to get filtered out somehow. But the other problem we can have, and this is more me, I don't know if you're this way, but this is more my temptation. My temptation is that I just want to relax. I just want to be comfortable Archbishop Schaap, who used to tell all the seminarians that we should all want to be bishops. And I was like, <laughs> no. I'm like, you're crazy. Who would want to be a bishop? I still feel that way. It, it would be a terrible suffering to be a bishop. My thing is I just want to be, I'm like Samwise in Lord of the Rings. You know, Frodo always wants to go do great things. Sam's like, can we just go eat pie and sit at home? <laughs> like, <laughs> I really want that. You are called to greatness. You are called to greatness. You are called to greatness. 
You are called to do amazing things in this world. You are called to judge the world. This passage in Luke 22, when Jesus promises the apostles they'll have 12 thrones and they'll judge the tribes of Israel, that's not just about the apostles, brothers and sisters. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, St. Paul tells us, and I hope you take this seriously, St. Paul tells us that we will judge the angels. You and I someday will judge the angels. There's a certain sorrow in life sometimes when we're called to do great things. And I really do feel this. I feel this as a pastor. I feel like God is saying, Brian, I want to do great things in these people's lives. And I want you to be a part of this. And I want to see this happen and this. And I'm like, Lord, it's too much. I just want to preach the gospel, I want to pray, and I want to study. And I feel oftentimes like Mother Teresa, that's, gosh, that's arrogant, but I love her line about, Mother Teresa has that great line where she says, God gives you, never gives you more than you can handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. You heard that? I love that line. As Christians, sometimes our sorrow is not that God doesn't want great things for us. It's that we don't want great things. We want to be mediocre. We want to be average. We want to be just like everybody else. James and John today show us all Christians are called to greatness. But there's a cost, and here's the second part. Here's what you got to know about Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel, the, today's gospel that we read in Mark chapter 10, is the centerpiece of Mark's gospel. It, it contains the main theme of that entire gospel. And to understand that one thing that's really helpful, and we don't have our old crucifix, but on our old crucifix that we'll have back in the new church, there's the symbols of the four gospels on the four edges of the cross. There's a man, a lion, an ox, and an eagle. And Mark's gospel, the symbol for his gospel, is the lion. Quick side fact on that. There's a coffee shop that I don't like very much, but it's really hip, which is why I don't like it, on 17th out near um, York. And it's called St. Mark's. And outside of it, there's a really big concrete lion because the lion is the symbol of St. Mark. Here's why. There's a couple reasons, but here's one reason. Mark's gospel is written in Rome. It's Peter. Is the, St. Peter is the main source of Mark's gospel. Mark is a disciple of St. Peter. He learns the gospel from the first pope. And when Mark writes his gospel, the Christians in Rome are being brutally persecuted. Brutally. And what's happening to them, to many of them, is they are being eaten alive by lions in the Colosseum. And the main thing of, theme of Mark's gospel, the very central point, and this is so powerful, the main theme of Mark's gospel is that if you want to reign with Christ, you must suffer with Christ. If you want to reign with Christ, you must 
suffer with Christ. St. Paul says this in Romans chapter 8. In Romans 8, he says, it's the same theme. It's so powerful. St. Paul knew, as Mark knew, and as Jesus taught us, that that's at the heart of the Christian life. So Paul says, you are children. And if children, then heirs. Right? We have the same inheritance that the children of God have. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Isn't that amazing? The inheritance that Jesus Christ receives from his Father is the same one I have. And it's the same one you have. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. St. Mark writes to a church that's suffering. And not the way we suffer. I had a meltdown earlier in between masses. Not that bad. But a close friend of mine said, I never get to see you. And I was like, (laughs) I do that, sorry. But I was like, I'm so busy. I'm so overwhelmed and I don't have any time. And and I kind of like just snapped back a little bit. That's not the suffering the Roman church was going through. The Roman church was, was at the point of being destroyed by the Roman Empire. It sought out the leaders of the Catholic church and it systematically executed them brutally. Roman candles, you ever heard of a Roman candle? Nero in the 60s AD, that term comes, he used to take Christians, he would tie them to pillars in his palace and he would burn them alive for light at his banquets. Rome was a suffering church. And sometimes when we face suffering, we think, and I think this, I'm like, Lord, I just want to have my quiet corner where I can pray and grow in holiness. But sometimes God doesn't allow that. And he says, Brian, if you want to reign with me, if you want to reign with me, do you want to have a throne in heaven? Do you want to share in my kingdom? You must suffer with me. One more passage from St. Paul. And you all have heard this. But brothers and sisters, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news is that you are, you are called to power, but real power doesn't look the way the world thinks it does. Real power looks like the crucifixion. It's a power where someone loves to the point where they will deny themselves for what is good and true and beautiful. And that's the power we have as Christians. So in 2 Corinthians 12, St. Paul has been suffering, and we don't know what it is. He talks about a thorn in his flesh, and he's suffering, and he begs God, he says, three times to take it away from him. And here's what God says to St. Paul. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, 
For my power is made perfect in weakness. Amen. Right, the way God conquered the world, if I was going to conquer the world, I would think of some great strategy and get the best people and the most powerful and wealthiest and brightest and whatever. The way God conquered the world was through suffering and weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You are called to magnanimity. You are not called to power for yourself, for your comfort, or for that your life will go the way you want it to go. You are called to power, brothers and sisters, if you are crucified. Because when you are crucified, you will think the way he does and not the way that broken humanity does. And you will have power not for your own sake, but for the salvation of others. Jesus today, right, he says to James and John, to sit at my right and my left is not my authority to give, but it is for those who, for whom it has been prepared. And scripture scholars, I could give another hour talk on this, but scholars will tell you that the moment Jesus enters his glory is on the cross. That is the moment of his glory, and the Gospels are emphatic about that. And so those who sit at the left and the right of Jesus when he enters his glory are the two thieves who are crucified next to him. And that's exactly where you're supposed to be. You and I are called to greatness. I oftentimes wish it weren't so. I'd rather be back in the Shire. I would rather be, have an easy life that's comfortable and peaceful. And I pray for that every day. But if God calls you to reign with him, you are also called to suffer with him. Let us now stand and profess our faith.